All right. You guys are getting so much better at that. I love it. It is great. Hey, uh, do me a favor. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We would love to get you a Bible so you can follow along with us. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, first of all, let me just say welcome. Welcome to the exchange. So glad you guys are here. Uh, hopefully you have met someone. In case you are new or newer to the church, uh, my name is Josiah. Uh, if this is your first time, second time, I would love to meet you. Just say what's up after. And I'd love for you to get connected, meet some people. And uh, yes, very thankful for this church. Let me kind of explain where we're at and what we're doing. Uh, so we're in 1 Corinthians 12. We're doing a little four-week series um, on the church. And this is so important to me. This is so important, I think, to all of us. So here's the idea. Here's what we're trying to do. We want to discover what is the church. Why did God create the church? Jesus said, on this rock, on this truth, that I am the Christ, I will build my church. So this is Jesus' church, first of all. So what is this? When people gather together, we worship, we sing, we study the word, like what else is this? What, what is to this? So uh, we're doing like a little, this is not going to be an exhaustive series, but last week we just looked at simply this truth. We are a community following Jesus. Listen, first and foremost, can we just make it really clear and simple? The church is a group of people following Jesus together. That as we sung in the second song, we just want to be with Jesus, learn from Jesus, be like Jesus that just the simple definition of the church is people following Jesus, disciples of Jesus. And we also want to kind of just continue to unravel that a little bit more. So um, I'm going to put up really quick just the four weeks what we're doing. So last week was a community following Jesus. Today we're going to talk about specifically how we are the body of Christ, how everyone has a role. This is so important. Next week we're going to talk about deacons and the weekend for that elders. And uh, you'll see why if, if Jesus, if God instituted this, why do we have this? Why do we do this? What's the point? But here's what we got to see today. And this is so important. Everyone, title or no title, obviously, everyone has a role. That you actually have a role in a particular body of Christ, the local church, and that God has given you different gifts to meet that role, to meet those needs. And I'm excited to study that with you and look at that more in depth. Um, my hope is that maybe we grew up with a, a certain kind of church style where you attend once in a while, you go to church, people kind of know you a little bit, and then you go back to your normal week and go back to church. My hope is that we kind of break that pattern, that we could do life together, that we could really press into the gospel, that we become disciples of Jesus and want to reach our community for Jesus, that the love of Jesus would compel us to do something about those around us who don't know him, that we'd actually again hold each other accountable to these truths and walk in this together. So um, here's the thing today. You have a role. If you are born, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you follow Jesus, you belong to a family, you belong to the body of Christ, and you have a role within that family. Everyone has a role. I have two kids, very young, but they have roles in our family. Right now, their role is to be a consumer, right? That is their role. Their role is to be a taker, four years old and seven months old. So that's their role right now. Their role is to be a consumer, a taker, but eventually, over time, uh, they will mature, and their role will also be to, be to be a giver. And that is the same thing with us. Same thing with us. It's okay to come and to get fed and to grow and to grow. And eventually there's kind of a switch where you're like a consumer in the family to let me now participate. Let me now give into it. I want Micah to be a consumer. I want him to grow, but eventually that will grow into maturity. And so everyone here has a role in the body of Christ. And it, hopefully, obviously, whether that's our church or another, you have to be a part of a local expression of the body of Christ. And God has given you a different role and gifting to meet that and for the sake of maturity and for the sake of growth. And that's what we'll study today. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're just going to read a lot of verses that have to do with this idea of the body of Christ and how everyone matters, everyone has a role. So we're going to read it, we'll pray, and we'll talk about this a lot more in depth. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look with me in verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. It says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diverse, uh, differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. 
But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. Verse 12. For as the body is one, it has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been, we've all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. Verse 21, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts, we have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, the first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, and varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have the same, or the gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly, he says, desire the best gifts. And yet, I show you in a more excellent way. And then chapter 13, the more excellent way is love, which we're not going to get into that today, because that would just be another five more sermons. But uh, we're going to look at how we, we, look around the room, we are one body, many members, many individuals. One, but many, for the sake of growth. And let's pray, and let's pray that God would just do that within our community. Father, we just um, thank you for your word. It really is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And um, God, we just ask that you'd speak, that you would move, that you'd bring clarity. That Jesus, this would be a time where um, maybe we have misunderstood something or been confused about something or haven't understood this concept and what does this really mean. And God, I just ask that you would speak, that this would be clear, that God, it would not just be um, something we read about, but that we would actively live out. That, God, there would be this diversity of gifts of people that really lead to the growth of the church, the growth of bringing people into your kingdom. And we ask, God, that we could just honor you in this process in your wonderful name. Amen. Uh, as a kid, I grew up watching this show called Guinness Primetime. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It was like in the 1990s, all right, for you 90s kids out there. Uh, but it's called Guinness Primetime. It's basically a show where, I think it was live, they would actually try to film people trying to break the Guinness Book of World Records. Maybe you remember this show. Uh, but this show scarred me as a kid because you're watching the weirdest things on TV and there's like the strangest human beings who could just do the most bizarre things. And I, I just remember like people would like squirt milk from their eye and they'd measure the distance. Like, oh, it's the longest mer- milk squirt from the eye. I'm like, that's a thing? That was a thing. Uh, they'd have people who were just crazy flexible and like, it almost seemed like they had no bones and they're like, oh, the most flexible human on earth. People would be lit on fire. I remember they had this eye popping contest where their eyes could literally, I don't know if humans can do this, I guess, but they could pop their eyes from their head and they'd measure it. Like, oh, that's four centimeters. Great job. Like, it's so bizarre. 
And when you're 10 years old, I mean, this just haunts you at night. It was really haunting. It was really freaky. But I remember just thinking, even as a kid, I go, oh my gosh, I had no idea the human body could do this. It is, an, it is absolutely incredible what the human body can do. Not just those weird things, but it's just absolutely incredible how God made and designed our body. Here's some fun facts uh, about the body. Some fun facts. Maybe you know this. I try to fact check all this to make sure it's legit. Um, it says, our heart pumps five and a half liters of blood per minute. The idea is, so during an average lifetime, it will pump nearly one and a half million barrels of blood. Your heart will do that. Enough to fill 200 train cars. That's how much our heart pumps blood in our lifetime. Uh, Your body right now has enough iron in it to make a nail three inches long. That is so weird to me. Uh, One in every 2,000 babies is born with a tooth. That is so freaky. We have a baby, and if she was born with a tooth, I don't know. It's scary. Uh, During your lifetime, you will produce enough saliva to fill two swimming pools. That is a fun fact right there. Um, (laughs) Like fingerprints, every person has unique tongue print. Didn't know that. Sneezes regularly exceed 100 miles per hour, while coughs clocking at about just 60. You know, no big deal. My my sneezes are like 150. They're insane. Uh, The acid in your stomach, and I don't know how, the acid in your stomach is strong enough to dissolve razor blades. I do not know how they figured that one out. That is very strong acid in our stomach. Um, here's the thing. Our bodies are incredible. They're absolutely amazing. And when you see the body, actually, just the way it's designed, the way it heals itself, the way it just kind of functions to have harmony in life. And here's what the Bible does. The Bible constantly compares the church to a body. This is really interesting to me. The Bible constantly compares the church, which is called the body of Christ, and look how it's so similar to a body. That when it works together, when it functions well, when it functions together, you see life, you see creativity, you see harmony, you see health. When everything's working the way it should, you just see life happening. And over and over again, the Bible is constantly comparing itself to body. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Um, when you read different metaphors for the Bible, you'll see that the Bible calls the church, we're like a family. We're like a flock of sheep. Uh, we're like a building. We're like a temple. We're the bride of Christ. There's all these different metaphor, metaphors for the church. But I'm honestly amazed. It's staggering how many verses in the New Testament compare the church, specifically the local church, to a body. It's mind-blowing to me. I want to throw up a few verses just so you know the topic today, obviously. But here's a few verses. It says, Colossians 1, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Uh, uh, Ephesians 1, Jesus is head over all things to the church, which is his body. Colossians 3, indeed, you are called into one body. Uh, Ephesians 5, Christ is the head of the church, his body. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, we just read it. We are mem- or you are the body of Christ. Ephesians 5, we are members of his body. In Romans 12, we, though many, are one body in Christ. Again, over and over again, there's this theme, and I'm trying to pick up on this. I go, God, when you repeat yourself this much, there is some reason. Why are you doing this? Why are you trying to say over again, we're a body? We're like a body. We're one, but many members. I mean, Jesus is the head. We're trying to just understand. I'm trying to understand this. What does God want us to know as the local church being a body? Jesus the head, one spirit. So we want to talk about that today. If you think about this, remember in Acts chapter 9, Saul, who became Paul, was literally killing Christians. Jesus appears to him on the road. He blinds him. But remember what Jesus asked Saul? He goes, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You see, the idea is to harm Christians is to harm Jesus. To harm followers of Jesus is to harm the body of Christ. He goes, you're not just persecuting them. Why are you persecuting my church? Why are you persecuting me? To harm them is to harm me. And even Jesus himself so links us, followers of Jesus, to him and to his body. And this is just so interesting to me. So here's what we're going to look at today. And I want us to see this theme because there really is this theme. Uh, Three different times Paul specifically talks about the body. And he talks about three different truths attached to that. So we'll throw them up here really quick. But he talks about unity diversity, and maturity. And if we get the one that has like all of them, unity, diversity, maturity. If you actually walk through the text, you're going to see in 1 Corinthians 12, unity, they talk about diversity, and then 13's uh, maturity. He does the same thing in Romans 12, and in Ephesians 4, he goes unity, diversity, maturity. Unity, diversity, maturity. Can you say that with me? Unity, there we go. Unity, diversity, maturity. So here's our three points today. <laughs> unity, diversity, maturity. All right, let's break this down. So three points, 
First point, like I said, unity. What under unity? One body. Unity, one body. Uh, let's read again in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Can we read there really quick? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Let's read. Come on, look down with me. Verse 4, it says, There are diversities, which we'll talk about, of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Verse 12, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that, of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Over and over again, we see this idea that there's many but there's one body. There's one body. So let's just talk about this one body. I want you to understand something, because this is weird. I know that Christians kind of have weird terminology sometimes or phrases. We're trying to like break that or explain that, but when the Bible does it, we have to talk through this. So the idea of the one, the body of Christ, here's the idea of what we see in the Bible. We see that there is the universal body of Christ, and then there's the local expression of the body of Christ. Please don't miss this. There's the global body of Christ, what I love and we'll talk about is, I love that right now gathered all around the world or hours ago, in case they're in different time zone or maybe soon, a lot of people gather, a lot of people gather in Jesus' name. They worship Jesus. They sing to Jesus. They love Jesus. They talk about Jesus. That is a beautiful, th- we're joining in that. We're part of this global body of Christ. We're part of the universal body of Christ. Can I actually tell you something? But we're also part of a local body of Christ. And the Bible does make this distinction saying, you're part of the global body, but be a part of a body, a local expression of that. So, for example, uh, write this down. The word church is used 114 times in the New Testament. 114 times the word church. It's this Greek word, ekklesia. It just means a called out assembly, that God has called us out of this world and to follow him. So the church, 114 times it's used, but here's the interesting thing. 90 times, 90 times that word church refers to a local church. When you see it used in the New Testament, it's used about a local expression of the body of Christ. So I wanted to make this clear. You are a part of the body of Christ if you believe in it. You're a part of that global body, which we'll talk about again in a second, but you're also a part, and you and I need to be part of a local expression of the body of Christ, where we can actively live out those gifts. We can actively uh, use those gifts together for the sake of growth, for the sake of maturity, that there should be some sort of local expression of the body of Christ we're committed to, that they're committed to us, we're committed to them, where there's established leadership like God designed, where there's a sense of prioritizing our life around Jesus and his word and following the ways of Jesus. Everyone is a part of the global body of Christ, but everyone must be a part of the local expression of the body of Christ. That's just, we see that constantly. Ecclesia church, it's used to specific individual churches following Jesus. Now let's talk about this big picture though. Big picture is we are part of the body of Christ. This means so much to me because this means maybe a church down the road that maybe we wouldn't do it that way. They're our brother and sister in Christ. I think the way we talk about maybe other believers, other churches, or other pastors, probably our tone needs to change a little bit. I think we could have more love in the way we talk about other churches or leaders or what we might see. I would love for us to recognize that we are part of the same body, that I'm not here to be fighting against another piece of my body. If my arm was fighting my stomach, my stomach would probably lose, but like, I don't want to be in this fight with the body. We're one, he says. There's this unified body. Ephesians 4 talks about this so clear. So we're going to throw the verse up here because we see this in Ephesians 4, Romans 12, same thing. But listen to this in Ephesians chapter 4. What does he say? Listen to this. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Can we say amen? Amen. We are part of the body of Christ. One body. There might be different expressions of the body of Christ. There might be different gatherings where maybe they have different emphases and that might be their prerogative. But we are part of one local body and one global body, the body of Christ. I kind of broke down these things. Notice all the words. One faith, one baptism. Can we just, we'll throw this up here really quick. What's the one body? One body, the church, right? Uh, One spirit, the Holy Spirit. He says, one hope, the return of Jesus, and one day we will rise. Amen? That is the one hope. One Lord Jesus, the Christ. One faith, just basic Christian doctrine we see in the the Bible. One baptism, baptism into the body of Christ. That's what he's referring to. One God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
three persons, but yet we worship one God. I know that's always a tough one for everyone, myself included. Like, one plus one plus one is three. One times one times one is one. We'll just move on. But this idea of one God. All right. Here's what I want us to see. Um, This is what unites us. That church that we might go, I don't know about this person. Have you listened to this podcast? Have you listened to this thing? I'll say this. Do they have this? Do we have this in common? One God, one faith, one baptism, one Lord. See, if we can agree on this, they go, we're part of the body of Christ. If they say Jesus, though, Jesus was a created being. He's an angel. We go, okay, you're not a part of the same body. This is a completely different thing. See, this is the essential. This is what we're going to fight for together. Now, there might be different expressions. They might teach through the Bible differently. They might have different expressions of their local leadership or how they do outreach, how they spend their money. There might be different expressions of this. And they have to be, have their convictions, and we can say, okay, well, that's their convictions as a church. But I'm not, I don't want to speak poorly. I don't want to pretend like ours is better. There's a side of it where I go, you're my brother, you're my sister in Christ. There are times where we need to partner together for the sake of the gospel. But we're partnering with this church, and they're doing this. It's like they, they follow Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. I, we're, we're one. There are times maybe we don't partner for the sake of, you know, we're not going to use our resources in that way. There's other things we like to invest in. And that's okay, too. It doesn't mean we're at odds with each other. But there's a side, you guys, where we do, I want everyone to get this. We are one body. In John 17, Jesus, before he dies on the cross, goes, God, this is my prayer that they would be one. Just as you and I are one. Let there be no schism. And I think, sadly, we are known more as Christians. We are known more for what we're against than what we're for. And that needs to change. I don't want to be known for what we're against. But we're against this. I want to be known primarily for what we are for. And so this is so key. I'm telling you, this changes how I, how I communicate with non-believers. It's like, are you for this, against this? And I'll say, I'm, just f- I'm so for Jesus and the gospel and the way God says to do life that there's a lot of things I'm not for or I'm against in a sense because I'm just so for Jesus. My, my point is they might do things a little differently. Let's just talk about more what we are for. You see, there's one body, and I love what he says, there's one head. There is one head. Who is the head of the church? Who's the head of the church? Say it. Sunday school answer. Come on, who's the head of the church? Jesus, right? He goes, there's one body, but there's one head. That's Jesus. Jesus is the, the preeminent one. I'll read a couple of verses as we just read them, but listen to this. Colossians 1, Jesus is the head of the body of the church. Ephesians 1, God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus is the head. We are the body. Let me just say it this way. We don't want to be separated ever from the head. We are all about Jesus. You're like, what kind of church is the exchange? We're all, about, we're all about Jesus and for Jesus, seeking Jesus, wanting Jesus to be the center of all. Like, we are all about Jesus here. He's the head. There'd be no life without the head, right? There's a good quote by a guy named Oz Guinness. Listen to this. He says, if Jesus Christ is the head of the church and hence the source and goal of its entire life, True growth is only possible in obedience to him. Conversely, if the church becomes detached from Jesus Christ and his word, it cannot grow, however active and successful it may seem to be. We never want to be detached from the head. Um, maybe you know where I'm going with this, but I went to El Salvador one time uh, for a missions trip, and we did that classic thing where a farmer takes us out to the field, and he goes, hey, here's my chickens. And we're like, oh, cool. And he's like, this is dinner. And we're like, oh, cool. And then he chops off the head of the chicken, and you see the chicken run around. I've just never, I grew up in Southern California. That was so foreign to me. I'm like, oh, there's a chicken running around with his head caught off. Like, that's a, I, I didn't, that's a real thing. Maybe you've seen that. And it is mind-blowing. You're like, there's activity, and it appears to be life, but that thing is dead. <laughs> like, it is separated from its head. It's dead, but running around. Let's not be that church. All right. Let's not be the church whose activity, and like, oh, it looks like it's doing something. Like, it's moving its feet, but there's no, no, we need to be attached, connected. Jesus is the head. You know, I love what Paul says in Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We just, Jesus is the head of, of it all. He's the focus of it all that we want to be connected to him. If we're connected to the head, we're, we're alive. <laughs> if we're detached from the head, we're, we're dead. Let us be connected to the head, which is Jesus. Amen? haven't quoted him in a while. It's time for my Tim Keller quote. Here's what he says. Um, he says, my friends, listen, I love that. My friends, that's how I feel. My friends, the Bible says you're not a Christian at all unless Jesus is your head. That means his life has come into you. So his heart, now beats through your heart. So you feel what he feels. You love what he loves, and you hate what he hates. His mind penetrates your mind, so you see, did I just read that? Uh, So you see what he sees with clarity. His character comes in, so you begin to act like him. He is your head. 
The power comes through. That's the only, th- the only kind of Christian there is, and that's the essence of it, the life of God in the soul of man. See, he's the head. What he feels, what he thinks, what he d- that is what we want to participate in. That's what we want to be about. What Jesus says goes. There are times you and I might feel a certain way. There are times we might let a, a view as Americans we might have feel us a certain way, and God's just saying, no, no, but this is my heart. This is my heart for this people group. This is my heart for outreach. This is my heart for evangelism. This is my heart. It might feel a certain way. I'm asking you to repent and follow Jesus in the midst of it. And that's, he's the head. He's the focus. He's leading us and guiding us. So here's the idea. One head, one body, one spirit. One spirit. And underneath that, listen to this verse. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. By one spirit, baptized into one body. One head, one body, one spirit. Let me just say it this way. Um, a body without the spirit is dead. The body of Christ without the Holy Spirit is dead. Do we get that? If you see a body laying there and there's no breath, no life, there's no spirit in them, there might be a body, but there's death. And so to the church, we gather together. You might say this is the body, but if there's no spirit, there's death. You and I are made alive by God. That when God regenerated us, he breathed his spirit into us. He breathed into Adam once, and he breathed into the disciples again another time. The idea is we're not just a body gathered together, but we're filled with the breath of Jesus. We're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. There's life now. One God, one body, one spirit. And so there's unity. At the same time, now let's go to number two. There's unity, but there's also diversity. And this is so good. So number two is diversity, many members, many gifts. Now let's talk about this. First Corinthians 12, verse 14. Will you look down at verse 14? Simple verse. He says, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. I love this. It's almost like, you're one, but you're not. But you're one, but you're not. All right, so one body, but many members. Many giftings, many roles, many individuals, many ethnicities, many backgrounds, many, and I love this about the body of Christ. I'm so thankful that everyone here is not the same. I'm so thankful that everyone here doesn't have the same gifts. I'm so thankful we all have different passions, and yet ultimately our master passion is Jesus. I'm so thankful for the the diversity of the body of Christ. You know, maybe you've heard it said just unity without diversity is uniformity, which leads to really a lack of creativity, which really leads to kind of just like, it kills culture, it leads to death. When you have unity, but there's no diversity, it can really just produce only death. There is unity though, but with diversity in the body of Christ. And this is so beautiful to me. He actually, we read this in verse 8 through 11, but he's like, look at the different gifts of the Spirit. By the way, when it says gifts of the Spirit, it's this word manifestations, meaning if the Holy Spirit is in you, he manifests himself, first of all, by the fruit of the Spirit. There will be love, joy, peace. If you believe in Jesus Christ, there should be fruit of the Spirit, examples that the Holy Spirit of God is in you. But there should also be spiritual manifestations of the Spirit. There should also be different gifts being used. And he talks about seeking these gifts, which we'll talk about at the end. But there should be some gifts of the Holy Spirit, some manifestations of the power of God's Spirit in our lives. You know, Romans 12 says the same thing. It actually gives us a different set of gifts. So Romans 12, verse 4, would you read this? Put this, write this down in your notes. Like, remember this. Romans 12, verse 4 says this. Listen again. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. We have different functions. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. Listen, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The idea of these gifts even being used are presented to every, just anyone who believes in Jesus, male and female, these gifts are present. That God has maybe given you the gift of mercy. God has given you the gift of leading. God has given you the gift of administration. You know, honestly, for us, every week, we see these gifts. I, I love when I get here in the morning and you see different people. There's so many different things happening. You guys know, but you look around, people are setting up everything, the chairs, the pipe and drape, the coffee. They're making that. They're unpacking the truck. They're setting up the kids' room. 
you know, they're preparing their lesson to teach the kids. They're encouraging each other. They're praying for each other. We're talking to each other about each other's week. And here's what I see. It's not just those physical things, but what's being used is I see the gift of mercy happening. I see the gift of hospitality happening. I see the gift of administration happening. I see the gift of leading happening. I see the word of wisdom happening. I see the word of knowledge happening. We might see it's just like, oh, I'm just in a pipe and drape, or I'm, I'm just, you know, doing this in the kids' room. But you're seeing different gifts of the Spirit being used in those moments. And that is unbelievable to me. And it is so fun to watch that. It's here when at the end you guys are talking, encouraging each other, praying for each other, saying we're going to meet up midweek and the gifts are being used maybe midweek somehow in your group, in your community. But this is happening all the time. The idea is, if you believe in Jesus, you're part of the body of Christ, and now the Holy Spirit has given you new gifts. I genuinely believe there are natural gifts we're born with, And I also believe at the same time, when you are born again, you are given new spiritual gifts. That maybe there are gifts you have not had at birth, but when you believe in God, God has birthed new gifts in you. And now he's saying express them, walk them out, live them out, carry them out. There are gifts maybe some of you have you don't even know you have. That maybe you haven't actively used it yet, and God is saying you have a role. You see, I gotta gotta be really clear. Everyone here has a role. Everyone here absolutely has a role. I don't want to think for a second that there's only a couple, everyone here, there's so many, I think the Bible names 22 actually different gifts of the Spirit. And most commentators will say, it's probably more, those are just the ones they worded. But there's many different expressions of the Holy Spirit. And it is beautiful when you see that happening in the church. And I want to see that more. I want to see that happening in smaller gatherings. I want to see that happening in, in large gatherings. I want to see that happen when we meet before church, after church. It's beautiful when you see even those more miraculous gifts as he talks about, gifts of healings, gifts of miracles. And those, use, those seem to be used primarily in the function of evangelism when you're going out in faith, doing something in faith for a non-believer. And I would love to see those gifts activated as we go out and evangelize. There are so many gifts I believe God has given us, and are we pursuing them? Are we using them? Guys, listen, the point of this is for the growth and health of the body of Christ, that people might know Jesus. Not just gifts for the sake of look what gifts I have, but so that one, we can grow in our faith, and two, that we can reach those who don't yet know Jesus. Church, let us be passionate, not about the gifts, but about the giver. Let us be passionate about the one who gives the gifts. Let us get the message of the gospel, because the message, the gospel, the good news of God is God. The good news of God is that, guess what? You get God one day. Not just you get heaven and streets of gold. That's, that's okay news. The good news is you get to be with God. That is the good news. See, it's not, about the, it's not about the gifts, it's about the giver, the one who gave them. And we're pursuing him. We want people to know him. And see, this is, listen, everyone here, and I cannot express this enough because you might not feel this way, but you have a role here. You genuinely have a role in the body of Christ, so much so that God designed it in a way that if you're not here, something feels like it's missing. And can the body, can the body still carry on without you or me? Absolutely it can, but maybe it won't be as effective. But maybe it's not supposed to be the way it was intended to be. You see, here's what I want to point out really quick. Paul talks about this tension, and I don't know if you caught it in verse 15 and 19, and then verse 20 and 21. Paul talks about this self-deprecation and self-exaltation. Let's just talk about this really quick, all right? Uh, In the body of Christ, Paul says, Corinthians, there's like two groups of of people here. There's those who have like self-deprecation issues, and those who have self-exaltation issues. And I think this is really good what he's doing. Look at verse 15 through 19. We'll just kind of reread it, but he goes, hey, verse 15, he talks about, the foot shall not say, because I'm not a hand, they don't need me. The ear shall say, because I'm not an eye, they don't need me. That is self-deprecation at its finest. That is this victim, woe is me. I don't have these gifts. I'm not necessarily important here. I don't need to be used here. And that is a lie from the enemy. You need to know this and hear this. I think we can even play into this too often as Christians. I think maybe we can even pamper this too often sometimes. Rather than just say, you know that's a lie from the enemy. Satan is the father of all lies, and you have a role here. You absolutely have a role here, and you need to know that and believe that. That when you're missing, something is lacking. You have a role in the body of Christ, and you have a role in your local expression of the body of Christ. Absolutely. Why do we, we need to be here for each other. I need you. You need me. There's, there is that side of this. You see, here's two questions I want to like, throw out to you. So, um, there was like this old comedian, maybe, he's not old, but there's a comedian, Jeff Foxworthy. He's like, uh, you know you're a redneck if, and he has like something. This is like, you know you're self-deprecating if, okay? Here we go. Uh, number one, do you ask yourself, do you say this yourself? Do I think they don't need me? Ask yourself this question. Do I think they don't need me? Do you ever think, they don't need me there? They really don't need me. They're, they're seem, they're getting along fine without me. 
See, if this is something you are thinking, if this is something you tell yourself, uh, you might have more of this 1 Corinthians 12, 15 issue where you're self-deprecating. You're saying they really don't need me. And Paul, Paul is like, do you, do you not get it? The foot shall never be like, well, because I'm not a hand, I'm not ne- needed. He's like, absolutely you're needed. You're the foot, man. Like, we need you here. You know, could you imagine, like, the idea of the body of Christ? I love it. He's like, what if everything was just an eye or a, f- a mouth or an ear? Like, imagine if you just looked at me as just a giant ear. <laughs> like, like, no, it's just not sufficient. Like, there needs to be more. He's like, you're so needed. And you need to be in your role. He's saying you need to be the role that God made you to be. Because you might say, I wish I was that role, but then now the, ba- the body is lacking because you're not the role God created you to be. For example... Imagine if the ear one day was like, you know what? I'm tired of hearing. I want to smell, right? Right now, try to smell with your ear. Everyone try to do that. (laughs) Weird thought. You can't do it. Like there's some like, okay, ear, but you might want to do that, but this is the way God made you and you're needed in this role. You're so needed in this role. You're so valuable in that role. You see, I, I really, you guys know this, but please hear this. You guys do know, right? That your emotions can lie to you. We know that. Do you know that your emotions can lie to you? When emotions tell me they don't care, they don't see me, nobody, I wish... I'm not needed there. You know that that is a lie. Your emotions, my emotions lie to me all the time. When that happens, guess what needs to happen? My self-talk needs to change. I say, you know what? The Bible says I have a role and I'm needed. That for the growth and maturity of the body of Christ, I must be there. That there is a role that I offer and you offer. And it's not, well, I'm not this. Well, you fulfill a role that, you know, I remember, this is so weird to bring up. I wasn't going to talk about this. I remember a teaching my middle school pastor did. This is probably the only teaching I remember. He talked about this idea of body of Christ. And I remember him saying, he's like, he asked this question. <laughs> this is so sidetracked. He goes, if you could be any body part in the body of Christ, what would you be? Like a literal body part. And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, I would be a nose hair. <laughs> and I remember, like, I remember like, what is he talking about? He's like, because I just want to keep all the junk and I want to keep you healthy. I'm like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Sorry. But I love that. He's like, his point was being, it might seem so minor, but it, it will add health to the body ultimately. And listen, I want you just to see that whatever the role is, it might seem so minor, but it will add health. Now, here's another question you need to ask yourself. Listen, listen. The other question you might need to ask yourself in case you are like this person, you are self-deprecating. Here's the second question. Um, ask yourself, do I think the sovereignty of God is an error? Ask yourself that question. Do you think when God made you, he was wrong? Like, do you think like when God's passed out the gifts, he's like, this person gets these gifts and oh, I have like, I have a few left. Here you go. <laughs> like, like, do you think that was like an afterthought for God? Do you trust in his sovereignty to give you the gifts that he's given you? So, for example, look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. It says, distributing to each one individually, last three words, what? As he wills. As he wills. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. It says, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. You have the gifts you have. You have the abilities you have because God has intentionally given you those gifts. God has given you the gifts that you have. You guys, don't, don't downplay them. Don't try to have this false humility thing. No, 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 my gifts are not important. No, they're necessary. He goes, stop having this self-deprecating attitude. Now, number two is this. The other side is you're the self-exaltation person, which no one wants to think they are, but it's very true. So it's like the, the eyes saying, <laughs> ear, I have no need of you. The hand and the foot, I don't need you, foot. He's like, don't be that either. Like, watch out for the self-exaltation. A couple questions similarly when it comes to self-exaltation. Um, here's a question you need to ask yourself. Do I think they can't do it without me? Do I think they can't do it without me? I've literally heard people say things like this. Like, you know, if I wasn't there, everything would just kind of fall apart. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you know, like, that's, that's pretty, okay. Um, and you know, like I said, yes, it's absolutely true that everyone, every role is needed. But to get to the point where you're like arrogant about it, like my role is more necessary. Can I, can I just point this out? Um, we're going to talk about the doctrine of deacons and elders in the next couple of weeks. That's a necessary role. Is that more valuable than your role? No. That's just a different role with, to serve within the body of Christ. That's just a different office that God has created to serve within the body of Christ. You still have gifts and roles that are absolutely necessary. I, I want you to know this. Because don't think it's like the church, the whole idea of God creating even pastors, teachers, he's saying it's for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. You're the, you, God has given you gifts for ministry. The whole point of maybe those offices is just to equip you to do ministry better. So you have gifts to be used for ministry. And that is what we're to discover. I think another question, if you maybe might be to find out if the self-exaltation type, is ask yourself, do I desire to be seen or beneficial? Like, do I want to be seen and known, or do I just want to benefit? If, if no one ever sees me, if no one ever notices, I just want to benefit and add and give to the body of Christ. 
Paul talks about those parts of the body that need to be public. He's like, because they're actually weaker. The parts of the body that are weaker, he goes, they actually have more honor. It's not about the glory. It's not about being seen. It's they just do it. They do it faithfully. They do it honorably. Listen, I know no one likes to maybe think, that, but there is sometimes there can be this in your heart. Here's how you know, I'd say. Here's how you know you don't, you know, you're not the self-exaltation type. Like, you so value other people's gifts that you don't speak over people and be like, well, I think we, but you're like, what do you think? You're just really trying to activate other people's gifts. You're trying to say, you're gifted in this way. Let's pull this out of you. Let us see it be manifested. Let us see it be used. That is a beautiful thing when you see that happening within the church. You see, here's, here's the question I want to ask and get to, really. Why do we see unity? We are one. Why do we see diversity? We are many individuals, many roles, many gifts. What is the purpose? Is it just to have gifts to like encourage each other or speak a word of wisdom or word of knowledge or teach and then that's it? Like what is the purpose of these gifts? Number three, ready? Maturity. The purpose of the gifts of the spirit, the purpose of the body of Christ is maturity and growth within the body. Can we agree on that? Is the purpose just to have gifts for the sake of having gifts? Like, wow, they're so gifted. I know I'm so good. Like, no. The sake, for the sake of this is maturity and growth and health and life. And I think this best is best explained in Ephesians 4 when he leads to how the gifts and these offices will be used for maturity. So we're going to throw the verses up here. Read this. And I want you to note, note, like seriously in your mind, how many times he talks about growing, maturity, fullness. Ephesians 4, here's what he says. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. For what reason? For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity. Here we go, back to unity. To the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God of Jesus. To a perfect, it means mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, listen to this part, from whom the whole body, us, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Do you not see, goes, the purpose of this unity, the, pur- the purpose of this diversity is growing up in all things. The fullness, the maturity, that stature, that you might actually be able to grow in your spiritual life and, and, and just in health. He goes, the purpose of this is for the growth of the body. See, listen, here's the point. Everyone has role, absolutely, but everyone needs the other. Everyone, we all need each other, you guys. Honestly, I so believe this more and more, that I need you guys to come around side my family, my son, my daughter, help use your gifts to grow them into mature men and women. I need to be that for you and your family. That there's this mutual one another, you have something to offer, we have something to offer you, like we need to be that for for each other for the sake of growth. You know, I, I'm going to throw these verses up here because it's mind-blowing. How many of the times the Bible's like, one another, one another, one another. It's just saying like, you do these things for one another. Now listen to this. Just listen. Because the, the, the goal is what? Maturity. So let's look. Look at these verses. John 13. We're just going to read them really quick. Do you see these verses? Are they up there? You ready? It's really tiny probably. Okay, here we go. He says, wash one another's feet. Prefer one another. Be of the same mind one toward another. Do not judge or condemn one another. Do not speak evil of one another. Edify one another. Receive one another. Admonish one another. Care for one another. Minister gifts one to another. Greet one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Submit one to another. Comfort one another. Exhort one another. Consider one another. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. I mean, over and over again, the Bible's like, you need each other. It's not just this, I'm going to do this alone. I can follow Jesus by myself. I don't need the church. He's like, one another, one another, one another. You need each other. 
God is trying to join us and knit us together to be able to grow and be healthy followers of Jesus, that we might bring more people to follow Jesus. That's not just about our little clique, our little church, but we might say, no, no, there's people who need to be brought into this family, that God is calling out and saying, I love you, I made you, I redeemed you, I want you, I'm sending my church to go out and win people for Jesus. It's not just so we can, maturity is not just we feel mature. Maturity is you're going to now serve one another and love, reach one another, reach the world for Jesus. Like, it must be outward-focused as well. The point is, guys, I, when I read this, my heart was overwhelmed with, like, I can't do this without you. You can't do this without me. We need each other. And the Holy Spirit is saying, value one another. Honor one another above yourself. Submit one to another. There's this thought of just God saying, I want to see the church work together. We could do so much more if we could stop arguing over petty things and just be focused together and keep the main thing the main thing. And we would see such life and diversity. I love within our little church family, I love the diversity of gifts, of ethnicities, of talents, of abilities. It is so beautiful to me. It is like, Jesus, do that more. Revelation 4 of all tribes and tongues and peoples come together to worship Jesus. Let, that, let us be that local expression of that. You see, this is what he's saying to fight for. There's two co- quotes by Warren Wearsby about this idea of one another and the church that I just have to read. Because I had to read it and just sit back and think about this myself. Listen to this. He says, Christians, listen, Christians who ignore the local fellowship of believers are missing opportunities for growth. Radio, television, books, tapes, and this was such an old quote I added in, uh, aka podcasts, YouTube, etc. He goes, they all have their place and can be used of God, but there is no substitute for the local church when it comes to balanced spiritual growth. Because this whole idea of iron on iron, this whole idea of us using each other's gifts, it's, it's going to have to be in person. We're going to have to be present. We're going to have to be committed. We're going to have to be devoted one to another like we studied last week in Acts. You can't experience the body of Christ without the body of Christ being present. He goes on to say this. He says, we speak about church membership as though it were only a matter of joining church and supporting the church with our money, attendance, and occasionally work, but membership means that we are a part of a living body and have the responsibility and privilege of contributing to the strength and growth of that body. He, th- the way we view this local expression of the body of Christ has to change. Has to change. This is not just you're sitting next to some person you don't know shoulder to shoulder. It might be that for a little bit, but eventually... Things will change. Maturity will happen. Growth will happen. Like, you might be a taker-consumer. That's okay. I, I want there to be that for my son, my daughter. They need to grow, but it, there will come a point in time it's like ready to contribute one to another. See, here's the idea for us. How do we, I guess, discover and develop these gifts? So for us now, maturity, growing in this, how do we discover and develop these gifts? A few thoughts, and then I'm going to have a few more thoughts. Ready? Really quick. Uh, Ask God's Spirit to guide you in the journey. Can we just start there? Start with prayer. God, what's my role in the body of Christ? What, is you, what have you given me gifts in? Ask God's Spirit to guide you in the journey. Prayer. Uh, next is, is this thought. Stop being concerned with labels and definitions. This is so important. <laughs> um, I, it's weird to me sometimes. Like, oh, I took this spiritual gift test back in like 1985, and it says I have these gifts, so I have these gifts. It's like, okay, like, maybe not. Um, I'm not against spiritual gift tests. We will pass them out. We'll use them. But please don't primarily find out your spiritual gifts through a piece of paper. Find them through activity and living it out and taking risks and boldness for Jesus. Find your gifts that way. If you were told, hey, you have this gift by one person years ago and you're like, I have this gift, I would say explore it a little bit more. It might be be a good choice. Uh, (laughs) Number three is this. Explore how God's wired you to build faith in others. How has God wired me? So we're going to talk about that. All right, I'm going to do this, like I said, quick, I promise. Here's a good, fun Acronym. You guys like acronyms? Ready? Here's one. Priest. All right, this idea that God has called us to be priests. He says, you are a holy priesthood. Not just pastor. You are a holy priesthood. So here's the, this idea. And I think I uh, butchered some of the wording on this, so forgive me. Maybe you'll notice it, and like your spiritual gift is noticing those things. Um, great. That's administration. We need that. We really need that. All right, here's the first one. Passions. What excites you? You want to know your gifts. You want to know what has God called you. What excites you? I- is it the refugee? Is it the homeless? Is it just evangelizing the gospel? All of it's necessary. I don't want to be like, well, this is more necessary than all of it's necessary. What excites you? Uh, the R for priests. Reputation. What do others see in you? This is important. Have people spoken over you? I see this gift in you. You have this gift. I love when people are like, you have the gift of mercy. And they're like, I thought I was a mean person. Like, no, no. Like, and they might see, someone might see something in you that you never saw. 
what, have, what have others said about you? I is interests. What in, intrigues you? What are you curious about? What do you go, I wish we could help solve this problem. And what is that? What intrigues you? Uh, e, experience. What have you done? Like, what's your background? What do you offer? I read a wonderful story of uh, this, this orphanage in Mexico that was given this, like, giant above-ground pool, and it got there, and no one knew how assembled it. And this guy calls the orphanage, and he's like, hey, I just want to come serve. My friend served there before. I really don't have any skills. Um, I haven't done much. Like, well, what, what do you do for a living? He's like, I install above-ground pools. I know it's a random job. They're like, well, that's what we need. Like, I love that. Like, that is just, God is just so perfect. So what is your experience in that? And that is necessary. Uh, success. What have you done fruitfully? What have you done fruitfully? What have you done where people are like that? Like, you, you killed it. Like, that is so good. It went above and beyond anything I've ever seen in that category. What have you done successfully? And then talents. What abilities do you have? Practically, what abilities do you have? Here's the idea. You and I are part of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit has given you different gifts. Let's use them. Why? For the sake of growth, for the sake of health, for the sake of maturity, for the sake of reaching this world for Jesus, because this world needs Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. Amen. Let it not be about this little holy huddle where we think we're using gifts, but there's no maturity, there's no growth, and there's no evangelism. There will be growth, there will be love, there will be evangelism, there will be a care for the lost. Let us bring people into this body of Christ. And I want to close with this thought. Today we want to remember Jesus, and we want to remember his body through communion. And, and please do not, let's not make noise right now, I just want you to focus on this. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 10. Paul says this, please listen. He says, take the cup of blessing, which we bless, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. It's so interesting to me. Paul is talking about communion through this idea of being one body. Listen, let me ask you a question. How does someone join the body of Christ? Answer, the body of Christ. <laughs> How do you join the body of Christ? Jesus gave his body. When we take that cup, when we take that bread, we go, Jesus, this bread which represents your blood, thank you. Thank you for your, your body that you sacrificed for me, that I could be brought into your body. You gave up your body so I could be brought into your body. Jesus, this cup that represents your blood, thank you that your blood was shed for the forgiveness of my sins. And when we take this, here's what it reminds us. Though we are many, we are brought into the body of Christ. Though we are many, that one, that one cup, that one crack, all those crackers, we go, this speaks of one bread, one cup, brought into the family of God. Listen, we're going to pass out communion, and we're going to worship, and we want to give you time just to enjoy Jesus and worship. Don't rush it. Take the cup. Take the juice. Eat and drink when you are ready. Pray over it. Thank God for it. There's no need to rush this. We want to enjoy Jesus in this. If you do not believe in Jesus, there's no need to take it. There's no need to remember something you don't believe in. But if you choose today to say, I want to follow Jesus and believe in him, then take it. So Jesus, I look at your body and I look at your blood as your body was given for me so I could be brought into your body and your blood shed for me so I could be brought into the family of God and have my sins forgiven. So listen, we're going to worship. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a little bit. We're going to be quiet a little bit. We're going to pray. We're going to thank God. This is not some sad time. This is some thankful time that we were brought into the family because the body of Christ was offered up for us. Amen? This is a celebratory time. This is a wonderful time. This is an examining time. This is just a time to say, God, thank you so much for what you've done for me to bring me into this family. How am I part of the body of Christ? The body of Christ. So let's remember that now. I'm going to pray and we'll pass out communion. Father, we just thank you for that truth that we are brought into the body because of your body. And Jesus, we just ask that this can be a time where we seek you, we seek those gifts. God, the gifts of the Spirit you've poured out on your church, God, let them be activated today. Let them be pursued after, sought after. Let them be exercised and used. God, how we just want to see the growth and maturity of the body of Christ in this way. So we thank you. We thank you for your blood that was shed for our sins. We thank you for the fact that we can enjoy you, worship you, that this is not some ritualistic thing, but this is a family meal where we can just rem remember Jesus, all that you've done for us so we can be part of this body. So we just praise you. We just thank you now in your name, Jesus. Amen.